And you guys don't seem to realize that. Uh, yeah, that was a kind of a, a, a fallacy, and uh, the Super Bowl is coming up today. It's a beautiful day in the Ozarks, but the Super Bowl, as far as I'm concerned, we'll watch it, of course, and see what happens and all that. But in terms of the intrinsic excitement that happens, it ain't there. I'm Joe Weston, by the way. That's Ned Brennels. We've got a full house today. Jake, wearing a beard. Galette with us. That's right. Not, not, not too much beard. Oh, look good. Look Thank good. You. Like it. You look like the mad Hungarian. That's oh, what I'm going yeah. for. That's yeah. what I'm going for. No, I recently retired from the fire department here locally, and one of the things I had to do regularly was shave my face, and that was the one thing that I said I would never do again. And we're joined by John Oliver. John, I, I don't, I didn't hear the picks. Did you pick Cincinnati? I actually picked the Chiefs, but I thought I had it a lot closer, and uh, yeah, so. I, I did ask Mike the intern during that, so I've decided to stop shaving everywhere on my body. So. <laughs> and what about you, Josh? Who'd you pick? I wasn't on that show. You weren't? No. Oh, that's right. You had something special that you were doing that day. I had to work. Yeah, you <laughs> had to think. work. You couldn't just sit uh, around with I, us. I thought the Chiefs would have. I thought the Chiefs were going to win. So. There's Travis Kelsey in his pink double-breasted suit that he's wearing at it's, Disney World. ESPN's nice doing a four-hour commercial for Disneyland right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go back two weeks and let's talk about this. Uh, for me, I felt the game completely changed on the last play of the first half. I yep. thought that's where it went downhill for the Chiefs. What your thoughts, Ned? Well, universally, I think that's the general consensus because what, what happened, in my opinion, is that Travis Kelsey... Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes may have changed what the game plan was called in. That part of it, I don't know. But whatever it is, I really feel like that was his call to go for a touchdown, disdain the three points, go for a touchdown with a flat pass, and heck, the Bengals were ready for it. And right then, when he left the field, he had a I don't want to call it a look of dejection, but it was just a, a very strange... And usually this guy's smiling and he's forward and very aggressive and so forth and so on. He wasn't. When they came out, his play in the second half was as lackluster as anything we've ever seen. Now, keep in mind, the argument to that criticism is, well, they were in the second half against the Bengals in the other game, the regular season game. Not quite like this. He didn't play well. The offense didn't play well. The team didn't play well. And as a result, they're not there today. I really feel like something happened in that locker room, and it may have been criticism to which he was not accustomed. He's 26 years old. He's lived the big life, but everybody gets criticized over something. Hang dog was the expression that I that I felt that I he just looked like a dog that had been kicked. Yes, right mm-hmm. there, and it, it was it was an odd situation. I think there was five seconds to go. And he wanted one more play, and Andy Reid deferred. And everybody knew if you're going to run that one last play, you've got to throw it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. You've got to make a quick decision, end zone or out of bounds, get the kicker out there, get the three points. Mm-hmm. Jake, you were actually at the game. How did the stadium feel when that happened? It was, there was the error completely went out. And, and I'll go back to a minute and a half before that happened when the screenplay, I believe it was to Dixon or Joe Joe Mixon. And Ward had the tackle, could have tackled him. He scored on a 45-yard little screen pass. That, to me, on third down, that to me was, you have that, then you have, you know, Mahomes making the playing calls, telling Butker, get off my field, I've got this. And you're right. It was, the play was called for the end zone. Andy said it, Mahomes said it, he got greedy, thought Mr. Hill could get through two guys and... 
it was a terrible, terrible, terrible play call for the last game, for the last play before half. Your thoughts on the psychology, John? Um, here's the psychology I saw, and I remember we talked about this. You know, when the Chiefs were mired in that that lull early in the season, we talked about Mahomes forcing things. That's what I saw in the second half. I saw a Patrick Mahomes that wasn't making the smart play. He was trying to push for the big play. There were plenty of times he could have thrown an eight- or nine-yard pass and completed it, but he went down the field when it wasn't necessary. So what we saw is, and I I think I said this on the air, I'm always afraid that that's going to slip back in. Unfortunately, it was during the AFC Championship game where those old habits came back strong. What did you think, Josh? I mean, uh, do you think the best team won? I, I'll, I normally I always say yeah because the team that wins is the team that was better that day, mm-hmm. but I feel like in this instance this is a parallel of the other time that they played in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They they took their foot off the gas. They thought they had the game one, whatever the psychology was for that. But then the Chiefs have this terrible uh, habit, and we've talked about it all season of getting away from the things that create those giant, beautiful plays for them. They average five yards per carry when they run the ball. (laughs) Why would you not run the ball every play? Because that sets up everything else that they want to do. But they got away from that in the second half again. They were doing great in the first half, running the ball, setting up those RPOs, setting up the play action. And then, for whatever reason, the second half, they didn't. And that's why the Bengals came back again. That's why the Bengals came back in the first game. So did the better team win? Yes, because they played their game and scored enough points to beat the Chiefs. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. We're recapping the AFC Championship game from two weeks ago. Let's go around the table quickly and ask everybody their thoughts. I think John touched on what I want to to get to. Mm -hmm. And that is that game in and of itself was a microcosm of the Chiefs' season. The first half unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Nobody beats the Chiefs when they look like that. They are the best team in the NFL, as Ned said many times. Second half, I think your John hit it exactly on the head when he said they got away from what they what gets them to where they can win the game. They defensively look different. They offensively look different. Special teams, they looked different. They look like a completely different team. You're, uh, I think assessment is right on the button. With the exception of this, this is not something that just happened this year, in my opinion. I think you saw that after the first Super Bowl win. The second game, Chiefs get to the Super Bowl again, and what happens? They go on their backsides in the Super Bowl game itself. Why? Because teams have figured out a way to defend. And now, when Kansas City came onto the scene and Mahomes immediately established himself as the record-setting quarterback and throwing passes to everybody. It was kind of, I'm not going to say trick offense, that's not the case. But it was a gimmick offense that Reed had come up with. Nobody had a defense for it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the NFL. These are pros, and you have defensive coaches there. They've concocted schemes now to not necessarily stop that offense, but to certainly slow it and test the Chiefs' patience. Well, this kid doesn't have patience. He comes from an offensive product at Texas Tech where that's all you did. Throw the ball. Cliff Kingsbury, that was his That was his game. <laughs> it was his game with the Arizona Cardinals. It may cost him his coaching job somewhere along the line. But by the same token, that's the kind of attitude Mahomes has. And he is finding it hard to change that, that mindset after having had it for 
three and a half, I think it's three years that he was there. But whatever the case is, that's where the Chiefs are making their mistake, in my opinion. And it, who knows, it may be Eric uh, Bieniemy, it may be Andy Reid, maybe they're having trouble changing their attitude too. But somebody's going to have to. The Chiefs have the talent to be the best team, but I'm not sure they have the mindset. Well, I, I want to ask Jake about that too and get your thoughts on you know, what we saw, because it looked to me in the second half like all of a sudden, Patrick, we talked about this a lot on the show when you weren't here, Jake, but it seemed that Patrick Mahomes lost trust in the offensive line and he lost trust with everybody that wasn't named Hill or Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you say that because who were the first two plays in overtime thrown to? Do you guys remember? It was, it was Robinson. Robinson. Yep. First down, Robinson. Second down, Robinson. Third down to Hill. Down the field, interception. Where in the world was those play calls? So I'm, I'm taking it all. I'm t- yes, Mahomes, throw the ball away. Quit getting sacked 15, 20 yards behind scrimmage. Mm. I'm putting this all on Andy Reid and Bienemy. And you want to know why Bienemy doesn't have a job? It's very simple. Go back and watch that game. This happens all the time. I'm putting it. Andy Reid needs to look at his quarterback. No, you get your butt on the bench. We're going to kick a field goal. We're going to go up 10 to uh, 21 to 10. They just scored a touchdown and all momentum switched then. Then they come out and go three and out. And yes, they stopped the Bengals a couple times. And it was not just like they just ran away with it. But come on. Like it was terrible. And the play calling was terrible. and, And you hit the nail on the head. 100% 100% they could have given it to McKinnon, who had a stellar day. Oh, yeah. yeah. McKinnon was 100%, very impressive. Just, a little, just, just the, the little eight, five and eight-yard passes, yeah. and you would have marched right down the field, but they didn't. And he was trying to. He was doing his checkdowns that they tried to do, get him to do this year. Mm-hmm. Do your checkdowns, stay in the pocket. Well, then he's out of time, and the, the pocket's collapsed, and he's run all over the place. Yep. It, was a, it, was, it was a night and day difference, as we all saw, whether you're at the game or on TV. John, let me ask you this. Something that we saw from Patrick Mahomes this year that disturbed me, I guess I should say, is sometimes when he's flushed from the pocket, he'll turn his back. Mm-hmm. He'll turn his back on the field of play. And I and it happened numerous times. And it is frightening to see a quarterback. I've never seen a quarterback do it. I never have either. And what that contributes to what we've seen, I think, this year with him making bad decisions because he's cheating himself out of time to actually read the field. And, you know, alluding back to what Jake said, Tyreek Hill was targeted 11 times in the game. Kelsey, 10. Pringle and Hardman helped stop the slide. They were targeted four times for Hardman, three times for Pringle. So you've got to get the ball to other people. Teams have figured it out, as Ned said. They're double-teaming Kelsey and Hill on every play. You have got to gain that confidence. And it would be one thing if you didn't have receivers that could do it, but I'll go toe-to-toe with any team in the league that we have the most athletic receiving core in the NFL. You've got to utilize those other guys. McKinnon was non-existent in the second half. Mm -hmm. Oh, and he had an impressive first half. Yes, he did. Four-string running back. Yeah. And he was very impressive. Yep. All right, Josh, turning to you, which, what's your thoughts? What did we see here? Well, I I am in agreement with the other guys. This, to me, is it's it's a twofold problem. The coaching staff has created this offense around the crazy athletic ability that Patrick Mahomes showed in his first couple of years. So they created this offense that has him scrambling and rolling out and moving a lot. 
and it doesn't work anymore because, like Ned has said, these guys adjust. Professional athletes at this level are able to make those adjustments and put more pressure on a guy like Patrick Mahomes to stay in the pocket. He's got to stay in the pocket. And they've got to stop trying to be cute. They don't need to be cute. If they ran the ball because they run it so effectively and then set up those short passes out in the flat or you know, quick slant across the middle or even set up the deep passes, it'll happen if they set it up. But they get out of that and they get so anxious to do this 60-yard pass down the field for a touchdown. That's why it doesn't work. I'm going to disagree just with you, Josh. I think you were the last one talking. I'm yeah. going to disagree. I don't think the offense is broken. I don't think I think Patrick Mahomes is the part. And it, look, you don't want any if you're going to start a franchise today and you're going to draft any quarter, you can pick anybody in the league. He's the guy you pick. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the offense is broken. They made really good adjustments throughout the year. Mm-hmm. I think that his my his mindset is broken yes. because to me, and John can attest this a lot of times when you're down in a baseball game and the first guy's up swinging for the fence and you're down by five or six runs, it's like, I'm sorry, you're not hitting a five, six home run. You, you, they don't, <laughs> they don't exist. Right. And, and Patrick Mahomes is trying to push the ball down the field when that's not available to him. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Once again, it's your live local sports talk show. Mr. Reynolds, my question for you, and again, we'll go around the table and get everybody's thoughts on this. Will Eric Bieniemy be standing on the sideline at the start of next season? I think there's a very good circumstance that he might not be. As a matter of fact, he is going to be meeting with Andy Reid uh, either today or tomorrow, more than likely tomorrow, and and more than likely for the remainder of the week to go over, well, do a recap of the of the season and so forth. You know, Jake here made a very interesting comment a short time ago. Bieniemy interviewed for the Saints job. I think he also interviewed for the Texans job. He's interviewed over the last four years for a whole slew of jobs, and he hasn't gotten them. Well, what's the speculation here? Well, there's a reason why. And the reason general thinking, without knowing specifics, is that he would bring with him the knowledge of working with the receiving core that they have at Kansas City. That receiving core doesn't exist anywhere else. Is he able to make some kind of an offensive adjustment or offensive game plan. That may be very well what Andy Reid questions him about. If, in fact, he is the one calling those plays, and he is the offensive coordinator, so one would think that he has the final say. Is he able to make those adjustments? There, I just have to think that there's a reason why he's not being accepted as a head coach somewhere else. And I really feel like it may be that singular mindset that he has. Hopefully it's wrong, and hopefully, I'm sure he's a good guy, hopefully he gets a job somewhere in the head coaching realm. He'll be whatever happens with him at Kansas City. And it may be very well, Joe, that he's not there next year because he is being courted by some others. But having said all that, uh, I think the guy has a lot of acumen. He's a very fine player. Uh, I, I just have to think there's some reason why he is not being accepted. Let me kind of piggyback as we go to Jake and ask this question. Is Eric Bieniemy the offensive coordinator in title only, or is Andy Reid the real offensive coordinator? I think coordinator? it's a ventriloquist thing. I mean, it's a double-headed. <laughs> and let's not forget, Andy Reid's been here before, right? Eagles, how many times did they go to the, the NFC championship game? They went to the championship game a number of times, but they went to the Super Bowl once. Once. Yep. One time. And, but he went to like four or five straight. This isn't anything new to Andy. 
I hope to God this is not the, the Andy 2.0 where, yeah, we love him. He, they score a lot of points. He does exa- He did exactly what he did in Philly with all the, having all the good players around. But as far as your question with Biennemi, we know Andy's making the calls. It's his, it's his team. He's got the same little, I call it the, uh, um, what's that? Oh, that the breakfast joint up here. Waffle House menu. <laughs> That's what I call it. It's the Waffle House menu he's got right there in front of him. But you do see Biennemi saying this, and you got Andy, so... I think that they could do without him. It's really Andy's team. I'm pretty sure there's syrup stuck to that. It's scattered, smothered, and covered. Pretty, 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 pretty <laughs> sticky. What's your thoughts, John? Be enemy back next year or not? Um, I don't think he will be. I'm kind of with Ned on that. I think a team, he's had such success. Teams aren't going to necessarily delve too deep into whether Andy Reid is the brains of the entire operation. I will say this, before we heap too much blame on the coaches, one thing that worries me about the Chiefs, and I saw it happen last year and I saw it more this year, these are young players. You know, Kelsey's probably the oldest of the core group. They understand in sports, stats are very important. So my theory is, you know, Mahomes doesn't want to not have 4,000 yards passing in a season. Hill needs a thousand. Kelsey's got a streak going. He needs a thousand. Well, would it be the worst thing in the world if a couple of those guys finish at eight hundred, and then we have Pringle and Hardman with six hundred, McKinnon with maybe like five hundred yards receiving, and you know three, four hundred yards rushing? I think they're going to have to get away from the tried and true. They've got too much talent to rely on three people. You've got to involve the other people, and if it's about stats. Any veteran quarterback in the NFL will tell you, yes, stats are nice. But you know what's a whole lot nicer? Winning Super Bowls. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Josh? Championship football is typically boring. That's exactly right. All I mean, when, when Alabama was winning the national championship every year, they ran the ball very well. They had punishing oh defense. Gosh, Alabama again. <laughs> the reason we all hate the Patriots is because they were boring and because of Tom Brady, but their their style of play was methodical and calculated and successful. Grind Stop it, it. Grind Stop it out. Stop it. Grind it out. Stop it. The, the Chiefs aren't doing that. The Chiefs will do that in the first half, mm-hmm. which sets up their dynamic plays, and they get a lead, and then they just, all they do are the dynamic plays, and, and we all know that the percentages on those are low. It's like shooting a three-pointer every time you go down the, the court. You're not going to hit them all. Yep. So you've got to get the ball down on the paint. Well, you know, we were talking before the we went on air, Ned and I, because they were showing, they were doing their Disney World ad that they're doing right now on ESPN, that, um, you know, the Chiefs don't have a, a Julian Edelman type guy on the team. Now, That's Travis true. Kelsey's kind of close to that, but you really need sort of a blue collar guy that just finds a way to get open as a receiver or a slot receiver that's just in there. And, I mean, there's been some good ones over the years. And I tell you what, there's a really, really good one right now in the NFL, and he's playing today. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back and give our preview for the big game on Ned Talk, 104.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 
Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. You know, usually at this time, I would tell you how much time we have before the Chiefs pregame show kicked in. I can't do that today. It's making me sad. I miss Art. I miss Mitch. <laughs> miss the guys. <laughs> anyway, we do have a football game today. Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, not the St. Louis Rams. I heard a great story. I don't know if you saw this, Ned, about the uh, folks in Detroit doing Detroit Rams shirts to show support <laughs> oh, wow. to show support for Matthew Stafford. Nice. Which I'll tell you, he's the guy I'm pulling for today. I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily a, a Rams fan. I mean, I do. I I, I like them when they were in St. Louis. And then they kind of just went downhill, understand Kroenke, and now they're back. And I like Matt Stafford. I I I, I hope he wins today. That's that's what I think. Well, I'll tell you, it it really is kind of symbolic in a way because here's Matt Stafford, who's All America, Georgia, great player, Detroit Lions, top quarterback, and all that. But what kind of a team did he have oh in the Motor City? It was God. awful. And as an as a, an example here, um, Stafford could do nothing with them. Well, it's Matt Stafford's fault. He can't get anything done. It wasn't. He goes to a good team, the Rams, and they're in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The reason I bring that up is if Patrick Mahomes were with another team, I don't think you would be hearing quite the accolades that he had because those other teams don't have the receiving core that the Kansas City Chiefs do. That's just simply a, a thought process that I've had for quite a while. All right, here's Stafford goes to Los Angeles. I think, in my opinion, he's going to take the Rams to a Super Bowl championship today. The Bengals are a good team. They've lived on the edge by uh, quite a margin this season. Their overall record is only 10-7. and seven. They have been beaten. Joe Burrow's a very good quarterback. Not quite his time yet, in my opinion. And I don't think quite the Bengals' time yet. They're a young football team. No, they probably don't care about the crowds. Matter of fact, when Burrow and uh, Chase were in college, 70,000? We wouldn't go out on the field for 70,000. They had about 106 and 107,000 every time LSU played, so the big crowds didn't bother them at all. No. So it'll be it'll be a good setting, interesting setting, but I think the Lions, <laughs> Lions, here I am, really good. <laughs> yeah. I think the Rams are a better team, and their defensive line is so good and will put so much pressure on Burrow that I really don't think it'll be a close game. Let me ask you this, though, before you pass the mic. Do you think, what's the longevity for Joe, Joe Burrow in the NFL sacked 51 times this season? Well, he can't get sacked that many times every season, that's for certain. But his, the way he plays, though, he'll be, he'll be a good QB. He, at, the, at this juncture, he runs the ball very well, escapes from the pocket. He broke a couple of tackles against the Chiefs a couple oh, of weeks ago. Oh, don't get ago. me started on that. And, but <laughs> over and above all that, he's got a very good mindset. My gosh, he was recruited by Ohio State. And then transfers to LSU. How many better football programs are there in the country, Alabama, notwithstanding that he could have gone to and, and played almost every one? Guy's a good QB. Wins a national championship at LSU. His time is yet to come, but it will come. All right. Our uh, our resident expert, the guy that's been there, had his eyes on the field for the last month. You Picking the hairs off the microphone. That's Jay Stevens. Cat hairs? Let's, no, no it's Jay Stevens. Oh, it's Jay Stevens oh. hairs. They're on this microphone all the time too. I'm picking them off. It's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what I was going to ask you is what 
take your Chiefs jersey off, take your Chiefs hat off, and tell me what you saw about the Bengals that impressed you last week. Um, it didn't take much because the they made the changes. Um, there's the run right there. They're showing right now. I mean, that there's a minute seven left in the game. The, I will tell you, it came down to the Andy got out coached, man. It really did. Yeah, did Mahomes do some stupid things? Why don't you get rid of the ball? Are you getting sacked? Okay, but Butker still made the field goal. We went in overtime. Whatever. But the, being there and seeing it, um, I really wanted to go to the Cincinnati game, and I'm glad I didn't um, in Cincinnati because it, the same thing happened. Yeah. So, man, I'll tell you, it, came, it comes down to coaching. There's a missack sack right there. They're showing these 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 replays on ESPN right now. That And a lot of those were on third down. So, I'm... It, it's hard to sit there and just sit there and place blame on one person because if he gets that sack, if Chris Jones makes that sack, they're punting. Yeah. And 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 and, and the the whole game last week was just really really weird to sit there and watch and go, we're going to lose this game, and it's going to come to the point where everybody said it because they didn't kick a field goal. That's going to be it's going to come back and bite us in the butt, and it's exactly what happened. So yeah, that's my take on all of it, man. I'm so I'm still here. I thought I was over. You guys are ripping the band aids off. Oh, that's, my, uh, that's exactly what Mike said. Mike was in here earlier. He goes, "I'm not listen to you guys today because I'm I'm getting over the pain." And those band aids are on hairy arms. Oh, yeah, yeah, the God, there's nothing worse. What about John? Has been an early bandwagon guy for Cincinnati. So don't don't write on John because he's he's called it at the very beginning of the season. He said, "Trap game." Bengals and Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He true. was absolutely right as much as I wanted to be wrong. And I thought, we all sat, sat here and said, Chiefs win the second game. What about the Bengals impresses you? They're a sneaky team. And by saying that, you know, the record's 10-7, and seven, which wasn't that impressive. But when I called that trap game early in the season, what I did is I was looking at the rosters and I looked at the Bengals. And I saw, oh, here's a couple of key guys on offense. You know, T. Higgins is a really good player. And then I looked and I saw Chase and Burrow. And I said, they went to LSU together. And so I knew the offense was going to be insane. Because there's already a rhythm that was established for three years between Chase and Burrow. I knew they were going to be electric. I think they will beef up the offensive line because they know what an investment Burrow is. Keep in mind, he already missed a good part of a season once already because of that. What they did was they pushed the issue, and this is where the Chiefs have struggled all season. Like Jake said, those runs at the end, they didn't let anything. They weren't going for 60-yard passes. They were breaking tackles and turning a 9-yard pass into 35. That's what needs to happen. And this is why teams like this can come out of nowhere and upset teams. I totally think the Rams are going to win today. But am I counting out the Bengals? Absolutely not. I've seen it too many times in sports. We have all of these juggernauts that are just unbeatable. The Patriots, when they played the New York Giants, tell me one person outside of the Meadowlands that thought that that was going to happen. I did. To Tom Brady. I did. The Giants did it. I, I, I did. It matter. I yeah. sacrificed a goat so in no, the backyard I, for that one. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it's one of those things. And, I mean, the Bengals, they're going to get better with time. And Ned's right. Joe Burrow's not the greatest quarterback in the NFL. But I can tell you what, he's pushing himself to belong in that conversation with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, 
those guys. Ben Roethlisberger? No. <laughs> no. Derek Carr? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of happy I don't get to say his Gino name Gino Toretta. Josh. I said Gino Toretta. There's, there's one from deep in the... Daryl LaMonica. Daryl LaMonica. Uh, no, nobody's really answered the question. What, what, what impresses you about the Bengals? Nothing. Okay, that, that see, that's that's an honest answer, and they, that, you know, the, they I, are a parallel of what the Chiefs were three or four years ago. Yes, which could be impressive with a less impressive quarterback. A less impressive quarterback. He. He's one of that those. looks like Macaulay Cookham. He's a quarterback that they are going to have to build the offensive line around, or he's going to get hurt again because he's a bigger guy. So he's not as mobile. He doesn't have the dynamic movement that Mahomes has. So they need to protect him. So that is the one thing that they need to work on. And I agree with Ned. I think they understand that and they will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I they're the the bungles. They're always going to be the bungles to me. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, that's the thing is, I, as we sat here and we went around the room, not anybody, nobody said anything about the Bengals. Mm-mm. Nobody said, "Oh, yeah, I'm impressed with their defense," or "I'm impressed with their secondary," or coaching, or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just the Chiefs lost that game. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said many a times, the only team that beats the Chiefs is the Chiefs. They're not in the Super Bowl today. We're talking a lot about them mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and what happened in the second half of that game. I mean, it's still just, it's still mind-boggling. But we'll get to some other stuff. We'll get off the Chiefs thing, and we'll start talking about baseball. That's coming up next, right here on Ed Talk. Listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We were just sitting here talking about how any jackass with a microphone and an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Has got a, you know, Good he's making it these Joe. days, and here's five of us right now. <laughs> I'm Joe Weston, Deb Reynolds, Jake Gillette, John Oliver, Josh Roberts. We're talking about sports. We're off the Chiefs right now. Let's talk about baseball because um, there's, I, I, Jake, I don't know, are you, are, you a bi- are you a big baseball fan? Growing up, uh, a Royals fan. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. So I w- deferred to the Braves because they're on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, I'm not a bandwagon. I'm dude. I could tell you every freaking player in the '90s because I yeah. worship the Braves. So Pendleton, I don't. Gant, I don't watch Justice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude. Mark Limke. All of them, man. Mark, Mark Limke. Avery. Mark Limke. There's a name for you. Oh, yeah. Dude, Raphael Belliard. I remember when he hit home run. The, cr- <laughs> the crime dog. The yeah, crime, the crime dog. dog. Yeah. So you know. Um, so I'm going to answer your. I did not grow up a huge baseball fan. Now the conversation we've been having, I've, I've got something to say about that. But go ahead. What's your... All right. Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about what's going on. And the guy that knows the most about it is Mr. Reynolds. What's the newest on the lockout? Well, I don't know the most about it. No, but I, I will tell you my thoughts on the whole circumstance. December second, when the owners implemented a lockout. I remember going on with Mike the intern that morning. I said, what the hell is this? A lockout? Why? And then the commissioner of baseball, Mr. Manfred, who I think regards the general public as probably, what do we have, 130 million people, whatever, the population, 
330, 330 million idiots in the country believing that it's the best thing to do to hasten negotiations? What lunacy is this? All right. So yesterday I'm watching the basketball game. I'm over at uh, JQH, and here comes the word. The meeting lasted an hour, and they listed what was presented by the owners, which was supposed to be a groundbreaking contract. I looked at it real briefly and I said, what is the difference here? There is nothing. There is nothing that is groundbreaking in this. And sure enough, the players said we're unimpressed. All right. Guys, this is an owner-driven lockout. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have imposed this. The players, the players, why don't they give back something? What do they have to give back? They're only giving back some of their salary. They're down to $3 million and some. It's still a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I do fault greed as being the essential element here. But the bottom line is, I think the owners have told Manfred, we're going to break these guys. We're going to, they're going to come to us on their knees begging to come back. And the owners can do that. They have the financial background. Players may think they have. Uh, when you start not getting that paycheck for a while, that's why I think the regular season is going to be delayed if they play it at all. Because this is an owner's plan to get those guys out of there and bring the game back to them where they are achieving the uh, the bulk of the uh, monetary rewards. That's my opinion. What do you think, Jake? Uh, it's a business. Um, I own I own several businesses, actually. And at the bottom line, I've got to watch out for me and make sure that it's, it makes sense decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to hold out these prima donnas. You know, the players, regardless of what sports you're in, they're all prima donnas. Um, and where the owners have a stake in it, because at the end of the day, they've got to make sure they make money. Now, I just went through a, a collective bargaining agreement, very similar, but not even close, at the fire station for the last six months. And we have it to where we can't strike, so you don't have that. But after your after your contract's up, there's a, an extension period where you can sit there and negotiate and come to agreements on stuff. You're never going to agree 100% mm-hmm. on things. But to sit there and say that we're going to not have baseball, I mean, father time sport, it's, it, it, I just can't believe that. But people have egos the size of, you know, mm-hmm. the tallest buildings in Manhattan, in New York City. And that's, it's going to come down to that is, mm-hmm. are they really going to force the hand? Are you going to have, uh, what is it, a league of their own where the women are out there playing foot baseball now <laughs> because the guys are not going to do it? Which is fine. But what I'm saying is, are we going to have the backup referees kind of, you know, Ned, you and I can go out and play some baseball. Come on, right? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You're seriously not going to play baseball? Mm-hmm. I, I just have a, I, my part where I, I think I disagree with you is that, the owners are the ones that have written these checks. When they want to sign a guy to a huge contract, they'll sign a guy to a huge contract. Yep. And then when they're priced out of the sport because they don't win a championship because mm-hmm. they signed mm-hmm. Alex Rodriguez and he's the only player that they could sign for $300 million, then I, I don't weep for me, Argentina. I'm not, you're the guys that are, they're writing the checks. You have to be physically responsible when you do what you do. And if you're not, that's not anybody else's fault. It's just yours. But, Joe, it isn't necessarily the individual contracts that are the uh, point of contention here. It's the overall consensus of what baseball is doing and the uh, the future, the how many years you give for free agency and things like that do eventually cost them money. But those are the mandated parts. The contracts are all individual. And sure, an owner's not going to sign a player unless he can afford them. What would you think? 
So I've got I've got pretty <laughs> stern opinions about this entire situation. So this isn't the first work stoppage since I've followed baseball. I've been through two of them already. Um, this work stoppage, generally, I always say, and I think this is the feeling that most people in the general public have, this is billionaires arguing with millionaires. And they're not wrong in that. However, this time, I do place the onus of the blame on the owners. There was no need to lock out. They could have continued to bargain without a lockout. So basically, they said, we're taking our ball and going home. You guys are going to have to come to us. Both sides have valid arguments, but as far as owners go, they wouldn't be in this business if they aren't making money. They have tax breaks. They have all sorts of incentives. Do you think Jerry Jones owns the Dallas Cowboys because he doesn't make any money? Let's, <laughs> let's, stop, let's stop right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I agree with you, mm-hmm. and this is something that we can talk about, mm-hmm. is these sports teams, these franchises, these owners basically holding cities hostages Correct. for new stadiums, new mm-hmm. arenas, and it happens in every sports. And the cities, we pay for them. I completely agree with you, Joe. And, you know, at the heart of the issue, what the problem is, and I've mentioned this on previous shows when we even brought up work stoppages. The NFL hasn't had a major work stoppage in a long it's time. It's an owner's league. It is. But revenue, players are fairly happy there. They're good. NBA hasn't had a work stoppage in ages. We had one 10 years ago, I yeah, think it was. but it was short. Yeah. It wasn't like the cancellation of the 1990 you yeah, know, four. Yeah, four season. So what we're looking at with this, and I say this with all honesty, and I'm sorry to baseball fans because I am as big a baseball fan as you will ever find. I talk to people nationally that I have contacts with. I talk to some players that I still talk to. This is the most grim I have ever seen people about this. And the issue is, Ned brought it up, Manfred is spewing this, and I'll call it garbage, because I don't have any respect for the man at this point. He is saying this is a monumental, you know, we're committed to getting this done. Guys, here's the difference. So in some areas, Major League Baseball is basically agreeing to a pool of money for these arbitration-eligible players. The uh, the Players Association started at $110 million, Okay, They've come down to 100 Major League Baseball started at zero, went to $5 million, and in this new super deal, they went to $10 million. There's got to be negotiations on both sides, and I don't think the owners are doing that in earnest. And the problem with this situation, and as you can tell, I'm pretty spirited about this, is I I remember the NHL strikes. I was a hockey fan at that time. The strikes almost killed the sport under Gary Bettman. People don't watch the NHL like they used to. It used to be front page ESPN. It's second page. Baseball is second page now. If you lose a chunk of this season or the whole season, fans will not come back. Thank and the you. game as we know it will forever be altered. Thank you. You are 100% correct. They will not come back. They, they've, been, they've been compromised far too many times. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a big part of this is that, is that when you, you have a, a societal pact anytime that, you, that you're part of a business... Mm-hmm. The owner, the employees, and your customers. And I think a lot of times the customer gets forgotten. And mm-hmm. the customer is us, the baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, Josh? 
I'm a casual baseball fan. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago that I was interested in in diving a little deeper into baseball. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it makes sense that they're not going to have a season <laughs> when I suddenly decide I want to be a bigger fan. But as a casual fan, I feel like I represent a, a good percentage of that fan base that isn't going to come back. Mm-hmm. Because I quit watching baseball in 1994 because I'm like, if these rich a-holes can't agree on this stuff why should i care what they're doing why should i pay 60 bucks to go see a game Mm -hmm. i didn't i don't and i'm with john i was a huge hockey fan until Mm -hmm. the the strike and lockout and cancellation Mm -hmm. season the nhl season was canceled over two and a half million dollars of salary cap they wouldn't agree they were that close to agreement on what they wanted the salary cap to be, and neither one of them would negotiate any further, and they canceled a season over $2.5 million of salary cap. Baseball, their gap is a lot wider, and it does not look like they're going to get any closer. And it's just it's greed, it's pride, and if you're right, Ned, that the owners are basically saying we're going to make the players come and grovel to us, it won't happen. The players are too prideful to do that. Uh, and they're going to lose another season. Mm-hmm. And I agree with John. It will forever alter baseball if that happens because I won't watch it. You are right 100% in regards to ruining baseball and the fans. But the players groveling, you bet they will. They'll have to with those paychecks not coming mm-hmm. in. They talk about having a substantial fund. I think they just wrote their first checks and what's your $5,000 a week or a month or whatever it is. How the hell long is that going to go? <laughs> it's not. So they will, they will, they're going to bring them to their knees. That is what the point is. Mm-hmm. That is for the owners to regain control. And do the fans count? N-O. Not at all. I hope that the federal government will step in at some point. I do as well. Because baseball has a monopoly and there is an exemption for baseball. And I hope somebody says, you know what? We're going to pull your exemption unless you get this straightened out. And that'll move the... That'll move the owners very quickly to get in and negotiate. And, Josh, for all of us that are sitting here and all of us that are listening, i just like to say, because you're a casual baseball fan, please use protection when you watch baseball. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with our pick for the big game next. Joe. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're getting set for the big game today. I think it's silly we can't say the SB words because... uh, it's copywritten. Yeah, we, we're not supposed to say them. And I, and I think it's silly that it's copywritten because anytime you would talk about it, you would just, you just helping whoever. So we don't say it. We say the big game. So the big game, the NFL championship today, the Cincinnati Bengals and the uh, LA slash St. Louis Detroit Rams are playing. So it's time for our picks. Ned, who you got? You could throw another slash into because they were the Cleveland Rams at one That's time. Right. Why were they called the Rams in Cleveland? I mean, who knows? Maybe the freighters ramming into the port. I don't know. Because and, the mountain goats. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> rang off the tongue. Very I don't funny. think. I don't have a dog in the hunt in this one. So um, I have to look at it from a peripheral standpoint. 
And when you size up the two teams, I think it's all L.A. I think they run Cincinnati out of the ballpark. I hesitate to say this because last week or two weeks ago, I <laughs> yeah, picked he the said Chiefs. the same thing. Yeah. No, no low contender in this one. I'm picking a final score of 38-16. to 16. I think the Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals by that margin. So you don't think they'll beat the over-under? The over-under is 49. 49, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, 38-16, whatever that is. I, my math is pretty <laughs> That's 54. Okay, so they'll, they'll, they'll beat the over-under. Um, I Jake. do think the Rams are going to win 31-24. I think the Bengals have a chance to win it, but they're going to come up short like the Music City Miracle team back in the mm-hmm. against the Rams. Um, I don't like that it's a home field advantage for the Rams. I think they need to fix that. I don't know how you fix it. Well, no, I do. You just make sure it's in Dallas every year, and they'll never have a home field advantage team. But, uh, man, I'll tell you what. I think the Bengals with that, that young team, man, they just don't have anything to lose. So it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, but I think the Rams, and, and good for Stafford, hopefully wins one. But it, at the end of the day, I don't care this week. Yeah, what do you think, John? So I'm going to pick this closer. And I'm going to say this out loud, like I have all well, season. Well, I hope you do. I would, I would not <laughs> be shocked me. if the Bengals pull it off. That's what I'm going to state. I do think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a pretty epic Super Bowl. I'm going to go Rams 35, Bengals 31. And I would like to add real quickly, if we're talking about sports franchises, where the hell is the Jazz in Utah? Well, they were, I don't they think were they were in New Orleans further. From jazz. They were New Orleans jazz at one time. That's they Louisiana. Just, they just kept yeah. the name. They just Ugh. kept the name. Yeah, I mean, that's how most no. of the, that's how that works. I mean, the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers are from Minnesota. I know. Yeah, but there's one thing they do have, and that's L.A. Yes. in front of them. Right. So you can make that make that uh, excuse. But with the Utah Jazz, there's no excuse. <laughs> right. Well, come on. Leave them alone. Leave them alone like Arizona Cardinals. That doesn't fit. That didn't work. All right. What do you think, Josh? I think it will be a lower-scoring game than everyone predicts. I believe that the Rams' defense will be pretty dominant and cause a lot of problems for Joe Burrow. I think Matthew Stafford will have the jitters and be kind of skittish mm-hmm. for most of the game and won't perform as well as he sh- has. Uh, and I'm going to say it's going to be like a 22-10 to 10 really? Rams. 63-3. to minus three. That's what I think. Because, <laughs> I because, like no, because nobody cares. I mean, nobody cares. What I think. Minus three. Okay, everybody. Oh, Travis Kelsey's no. doing push-ups. I do want to add five of the six experts, or sorry, four of the five so far have picked the Bengals on ESPN. Last, you know, last year ESPN did the same thing, and they were they picked Tampa Bay, and I was like, have you watched the season mm-hmm. all year long? I mean, the Chiefs can't be the Chiefs can't be stopped. Okay, there's one more Ram. So yeah. two people. Well, yeah. Travis Kelly's not Kelsey's not an expert. No, let's. let's ooh, she's wearing leather pants today. <laughs> I'll get in trouble for saying that. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, I'm just observing what people are wearing. Travis Kelsey, Travis, Travis Kelsey, pink suit yes. today. Pink double-breasted suit today. Hey, to your thing about the SB thing, just put an O in between. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be back here next week if uh, I don't get in trouble between here and then. Until then, I'll see you guys. Next Sunday, it's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. You can listen to us as a podcast if you so desire. You can download us at 1047thecave.com, through your cave app, or wherever you get your podcast at. Thanks to Brian Tyndall, Corbin Campbell, Nick Fury, and Mike the Intern. We'll see you next Sunday.